We're in the middle of a series called Summer Soundtrack. This is week two. Last week we started in Psalm 62, and we talked about how God alone, like God alone is the only way that we're going to get through this life. If you're like me, like the waves of testing and trial, they just keep coming. They just keep coming in those ways. And I think it's like, it's because Scripture says that it, you're not going to live a life free of pain. Like, we're not going to live a life free of trouble. Like, we're going to live a life where, where yes, we're going to have joyous moments and celebratory moments. So we're in the middle of the psalm. And we talked about the psalm, is, it's like my favorite thing. The psalm is essentially David writing these, these thoughts, pouring his heart on his personal journal. What's cool is we all get to see it. We're like writing songs to God. So we get to have this inside look at a man's heart and who God says, this is a man after my own heart. And say, okay, God, like if David is here, it's okay for me to be here. And lots of, actually lots of leaders, Christian leaders believe David suffered from depression, anxiety, like he was actually legit all over the spectrum. What's cool about that, that's how God made him. That's how God made him. And he, God says, give me your good days. Give me your bad days. Like, give me all of it. So last week, Psalm 62, we talked about God alone. Yesterday, we celebrated Independence Day. And I almost got up here and read the Declaration of Independence for you. July 4th, 1776. What's cool about it, that in all of our documents in the United States, it talks about our Creator gave us this inalienable rights that we are all equal, our creator. You know, in our, in our coins in our pocket, if you still carry change around, like pull out your quarter, it says what? In God we trust. It's cool how we as a nation set up this democratic republic, a nation of laws that said under God, we're going to just care for each other. And I was reading through the Declaration of Independence again this morning because I was tempted about reading it in front of you guys again. And it says, we, peop the people, have the right to overthrow our own government when, when they're, like, getting it wrong and they're persecuting us, right? And I wonder sometimes, like, that's what's in people's hearts today. Is that my happiness and my rights, am I, am I really equal? And all it is is us as people, as free people, speaking out to say, I have rights. And I did the math yesterday. It's been 155 years since the 13th Amendment was ratified. Think about that for a second, 155 years. That, mouth, that may sound like a super long time, but just think about it this way. Uh, only 155 years ago did we ratify this document. Like how young are we as a nation? Truly, how, like think about this. So Ford, I believe it was like 120 years ago, Henry Ford actually came up with the, uh, the automotive plant manufacturing line. That's 120 years ago. The, the Model T Ford, the first Model T Ford was produced on that factory line. So we are actually a super young nation. Uh, but we've, we've come so far, but we have further to go. My point is, yesterday we celebrated our Independence Day. And if you read all of our documents, and I'll get to the God part in a moment, so forgive me, I'm not trying to be political. I don't have a left or right side to me. I'm, I'm hopefully right down the middle to everyone. This country doesn't work when we remove God. 
like nothing we wrote on any paper, none of our agreements, like none of it works when you pull God out of the picture because there's no moral compass at that point. Like try to define what happiness means when you take God out of that. Happiness then becomes whatever we want it to be, right? We're not an independent country. We are an interdependent country. And it's, it's pretty controversial to talk about it th- these days. So we're, I'm, talk- I'm thinking about the country right now. I'm thinking about organization structures that everyone's overthrowing, right? We don't like authority anymore. And I'm also talking about our homes and our marriages. And if you're single, I'm talking about how we choose, what compass we choose to pick up and live with. We are inter- interdependent people. We're not codependent people. So, right, so there's independent. Like when I was single, I was independent. You weren't going to tell me what to do. Like I got to wear what I wanted to wear, Myra. So, no, I'm kidding. So she, she actually thinks I dress okay, so she didn't pick up my clothes for me. Um, I was independent. When I got married, I think I shifted over a little bit into the codependent because it's easy to do. Like she was my everything. And slowly but surely, I realized like she wasn't going to be the answer to all my problems, right? She wasn't going to be the one to help me walk through the tough days, like the really big stuff I had to get through. I finally realized I was created to be, and I'm a, I'm a, I have a case for this today, I was created to be dependent upon God. God first. My walk with Christ my interdependence on him and him alone, what we talked about last week. So this week's is kind of a continuation. God alone, part two, interdependence. So I'm calling it Interdependence Day. Yesterday we celebrated our independence. Today, interdependence. So Psalm 33. We're going to go to what David says in Psalm 33. He's going he's to share with us what having joy really is. So just like we did this morning, just like we've done all the last few months, I've seen joy come out of our worship. Whether Marilyn's leading, whether Josh is leading, whether Anderson and Meredith, I mean, I see joy coming out of our worship. And this is where David starts. Psalm 33, 1. Sing joyfully to the Lord. This is a, this, he's calling us, you righteous, and I'll say people. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the tenth string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. I, every time I see that play skillfully part, I think of, I think of Marilyn. She's about excellence in music. I think about my buddy back in Fort Worth, Texas. He's an executive pastor at a big church there. And he's about get, like, play skillfully. Like, give all of yourself to this. And the first line in your sermon notes says, Rejoice only in God. Rejoice only in God. His character is true and right. David's trying to say no matter what you're going through, even if, you're, even if we're in the middle of, a, of watching our government trying to be overthrown, like even if like my marriage is falling apart and I'm in a bad place, or even if I'm in a great place, like he's saying just take some time because you have a God that loves you because we're made to lean on him and just take some time and say, God, you, you are my everything. Rejoice only in God. His character is true and right because he, because he is the only perfect person, the only perfect character, which catches my attention in this time. 
who was all invested in WorldCom back in like the 2000s, right? Who lost, like if you were like my grandparents, they saw $250,000 disappear out of, their, out of their retirement fund because of WorldCom, because of, um, and the same thing with, with um, I'm forgetting their name now, the big energy company that bailed. Thank you, Enron. Like it must be way back there somewhere. I was working at Duke Energy at the time. And Duke Energy and Enron, and there was another company, I believe it was Dynagy, they had some insider trading going on. And they were killing California by, by all these crazy contracts, like racking up the bill in California uh, for energy pricing. It, this whole scheme came out, and Enron was found out about it, that the truth comes out. They lost their company. Banks stopped giving money to the rest of us energy companies at the time, like literally said no more money. Payroll, like none of that. We didn't get a dollar for, I think, five years. And we, we had to go through this time of, of trying to figure out, okay, we got to get through this. But we had to go through this time of, and this is the point of this, to find out, is there any good leader anymore in the United States? Or has capitalism truly produced or allowed such greed that these guys are just taking advantage of all of us, Right? And we all paid the price. My point is in contrast to that, God's character is true and sound always. Like his character, we can lean on. And this word rejoice, so let me get to this part. I believe it's on the screen or in your notes. Rejoice, the Hebrew word is called gil or pronounced gil. This is a, a verb, like it's, it's a joy that's pouring out of you, that's leaping out of you. The joy that comes when we say, God, you are mine and you're mine alone. Like, even if the whole energy industry is falling down, like I lost, I think we, Duke Energy had let go of like 3,500 employees out of 9,000 employees. Like we made it through. Our job was to just keep our heads down and keep working, even though every three months we had a round of layoffs. So I made it through six rounds of layoffs in the corporate world because of man's greed. And I was like, I, the toughest part was what? To just focus on getting my job done. To just make it through. And, and you actually had that survivor guilt. Like I was still there, but like 70% of my team was, was gone. And so the question is, how do we have joy in the middle of the craziest of circumstances? And the reason why I'm describing all of that, and I know that we're protected here on Kodiak, but how do we have joy when, when, you, when I turn on my TV and the social media, and instead of, you know, celebratory, I'm, I'm seeing upheaval everywhere. I, we can have joy because we trust in the true character of God. We trust the plants that we have. I'm get, we're going to talk about that today. God's people are called to rejoice in the Lord and nothing else. Rejoice in the Lord and one another. Like that doesn't mean we can't be happy for things, we can't celebrate. It's just saying, guys, there's only one thing that'll last. To rejoice, and this is what Charles Spurgeon says, to rejoice in temporal comforts is dangerous. To rejoice in self is foolish. We've talked about that. To rejoice in sin is fatal but to rejoice in God is heavenly. Like, so this rejoice in sin is fatal. Like, that's a part, and I'm not like a seer monger, sin monger. I'm not going to run around pointing people's sins out or whatever, but I'll say in my own life, like, this is one of my favorite quotes from, 
from my pastor and friend in Chicago. He says, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Like it's like, it's the same, it's the same thing. When we choose to sin, we're always going to be choosing to suffer. And I love this. Rejoice in temporal comforts. It's dangerous. Rejoice in self is foolish. Rejoice in sin. It's fatal. And I, I'm not judging any one side or the other on this. Maybe our country is paying for our past sins right now. We're only 155 years old, remember? Like, and I didn't grow, I didn't grow up with oppression. Like, I didn't grow up thinking bad things about any other race. You know, I didn't, but we're only 155 years from, from this history. It's, it's, that number, for whatever reason yesterday, gave me a little bit better appreciation for what we're seeing right now. And I'm not condoning an anarchy, by the way. Some of my really good friends are law enforcement. So you'll, you'll see me on both sides of this issue. The thing I like to ask is, and I wasn't even going to talk about this today, so forgive me. It just shows you, where, it shows you where my heart's been and I've been trying to navigate it. The thing that I'll ask you guys to do, that I'll ask our church to do, is say, what, truly, what would Jesus do if he walked on this earth today? I believe he would be loving. I believe he would be gracious. I believe, I don't, I don't know if there's a moment where he'd be turning, the, flipping the tables yet. You know, maybe if he's right there with people that are actually taking people's lives. Like, I think he would say it's sad. Because what we're called to do is love God and love others. And I think he'd just show us a mirror right now. And say, guys, this is the world. We are living in a fallen world, and this is just evidence. All right, so let me keep going. Man, I, 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 got, I got deep on that one. That wasn't even my plan. Forgive me. New song simply means, so this last scripture says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. A new song simply means that every praise song should emerge from a fresh awareness of God's grace. Even in my own life, when I'm, when I'm looking at my own heart and saying, Larry, like you sure got that wrong. Like you missed the mark on this. And then I remind myself of what my pastor friend said to me. Like once I messed up pretty big in our marriage. Like huge mess up. Where I knew it was going to take two years to like crawl out of the doghouse. And I was committed to it, and I was like humble about it, and I was like, oh gosh, like I messed up there. And, my, and I, wouldn't let, I wouldn't like forgive myself. And my pastor friend was always saying, Larry, did Jesus die for you? Like, did Jesus die for you? He must have asked me that 20 times. And I was like, yes, but... Yes, but, and he, and he did not stop asking me that question, Larry, did Jesus die for you? Until I quit saying, but. Did Jesus die for what we're seeing on the news right now? Yes. Did Jesus die for our law enforcement officers who are getting it right and getting it wrong? Yes. Did Jesus die for the people that have killed other people during these protests at this time. Yes. And I think we're going to get to see this whole thing play out until Christ comes back. And who was it? Oh, it was Damon and Gustav. Gustav says, I think we need to start a new study on, on the return of Christ. And uh, he goes, I think it's time. We need, we need to all get versed on, 
on are we premillennial or postmillennial? Like, where are we? And I said, man, that's awesome. That's probably the most controversial thing you could talk about, like in a church, right? But it's awesome because we see so many signs. All right, so I'm going to keep going. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. Back to the point. God alone, His word, what Christ did for us. Like that's how we navigate this. That's how we say, God, when bitterness and, and hate starts to creep up in our heart, and, uh, and my law enforcement friend said it to me, he goes, Larry, the tough, and he's a chief now, he said the toughest thing for police is, is that I, I not be cynical because they encounter so much pain and they get wounded day after day after day, year after year. He said, the cynicism, I'm constantly having to give it back over to God and say, I trust you. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves the righteous. He loves justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. We talked about this last week. Their starry host by beneath, by the breath of his mouth, he gathers the waters of the sea into jars, and he puts them, he puts the deep in storehouses. That's kind of mind-blowing, right? Like if you, we're next to the ocean. I've always been blown away by how large the ocean is. Even the Great Lakes in, in, in the States, like I've always been blown away by how enormous the Great Lakes are and by how cold they are, right? Bone-crushing cold, just like our water here. But he puts them, our God is so powerful. David's trying to say, guys, none of this is happening without his, like, overseeing. Like, none of this is happening. All that we see is happening is not thwarting his plan. Like, it's not scaring him. We've said it before this whole time, right? It didn't catch him off guard. Like, he actually knew all of this was going to take place. He knew 155 years ago when we ratified the 13th Amendment, right? He knew when we became a country, choose to sin, choose to suffer. He knew that the things that we were doing, we'd ultimately pay for. Here's what I love about all of it. So to pull yourself out of the weeds, let's get out of the weeds in the micro and go to the macro. What's cool about all of it, just like we're reading in his word today, he says, but if you'll turn towards me, if you'll give me your heart, if you'll get into my word, in this country, in our city, in our marriages, in our own selfishness, in our trouble at work, in our good days and our bad, if you'll give me all of your heart, I promise it's true and it's right. I promise it's true and it's right. And I promise that we're going somewhere. And I promise that we're going somewhere good. That's what's exciting. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts, but by the breath of his mouth, he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts them deep in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. It's the only time you'll see fear in a good context. Let us fear the Lord. Let all the people in the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be he commanded, and it stood firm. So this next thing in your sermon, it says, revel in God and Christ alone. His power is evident. Like, the almighty, powerful God of the universe says, I want you to revel in me. 
And I looked up the word rebel, right? I said, okay, what does rebel mean exactly? It's in revolution. It's in, you know, you think about, when I think of rebel, I think of like a, 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 a tribe of bandits that are just partying out by the swamp after looting somebody. And that's kind of what the definition said. It said to drink and party loudly. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, so 4th of July just happened. There was a lot of drinking and partying loudly. So revel and party loudly. Think about it this way. What do we do at the Super Bowl? Like, have you ever been to a packed, like, football stadium? It is the loudest, coolest thing you ever heard. I took Blake once to the brand-new Houston Texans um, when they got their stadium. We got to go see the Texans play the Cowboys. And John's about to come out of his seat over there, the, probably the biggest Cowboys fan I know, and he happens to be Alaskan. So watch them play the Cowboys at 65,000 people, record attendance in that first pregame. The loudest thing I've ever heard. I may even give up some of my like, hearing ability that day. That's what this word is talking about. And God's saying, look, I want you to revel in me. Like I, I want all the meek and mild Christians, we think we're supposed to be just following the rules and getting it right. Like, No, I, I want you to boldly, like in my name, declare to the world, declare to my neighbor, declare to the city, like, this is how much God loves us. And boldly, in the middle of revolt and rioting, and yes, we should be quietly praying and seeking God, but I think sometimes we should be standing in the street telling people how much God loves them when they're about to take someone's life. Like, telling them that there's a better way, there's a different way. I mean, doesn't your heart scream out for that? Like, I, I, know, I know sometimes, like, our hearts scream out for pick up a baseball bat and go straighten some people out. Like, it doesn't matter what side you're on. You're wanting to go straighten somebody out. Because that's our flesh. But the spiritual side, what God's trying to call out of us is, I want you to revel in me. Like, I want you to be love loud for me. Like, I want you to, to party in my name. And that doesn't mean go get hammered, get drunk, and... Isaiah 55 says it this way, so my word that goes out from my mouth, so he's talking about his word again, it will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. This is coming from the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years ago. Van Gurman, a, a theological leader, said it this way, the Lord's love is evident in his works on the earth with respect to the rest of the creation. He shows the same loyalty, consistency, and love that has found expression in the covenant relationship with his people. Like if you look through, all through God's word, he's saying you have the tools, like we have the knowledge, we have the mission, it's so clear. Just proclaim my name. Like, tell people how much I love them. And, and here's my challenge for us today. If we're going to rejoice in God, and we're going to be able to tell our neighbors how much he loves them, we first have to what? We first have to be able to rejoice in our heart. And say, you know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not watching social media today. My heart can't take another, another video. Like, I'm, I'm not watching the news today. I don't, I don't think I could take another you know, all these negative thoughts in my head. I, I, I told you guys, this, I'd say this pandemic has caused us to be more in our heads than any other time. And you're seeing actually, I believe it's reports are coming out that high schoolers without sports, without these extracurricular activities, without even our kids, right? You guys see them now. 
without being active and doing stuff, there's, we're all stuck in our heads. And I, I believe we're seeing the test like no other to say, we've got to have a safe place to get all of this junk out and put God's truth back in. His word. So let's keep going. Psalm 33.10. The Lord foils the plant. So this is for our countries. This is for us as people groups. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand forever, firm forever. The purposes of His heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He chose for His inheritance. So it's, it's pretty wild. It's like we get this warning and we get a promise. So God's saying, guys, it's kind of like the Tower of Babel. Do you remember the story in the Tower of Babel where the people said they were going to build a way to heaven? And God says, no, there's, there's only one way to heaven. That's my son. And he what? He, he smashed the Tower of Babel. He scattered the people. They all began to speak different languages that none of them understood. And he says, guys, like the United States, even though we're formed under God, if we're trying to build our own Tower of Babel to say we're independent, meaning independent from God, guess what's going to happen? He's going to knock that thing down and say, no, you were formed under me. And, and I'm not trying to be prophetic. Everybody in this room gets it, so I'm not trying to bring a two-by-four for, for us today. I'm, I'm just speaking out for what I believe. God is saying, nope, it's not about your plans. It's about my plans. And I promise, like this is one thing we can be assured of. Every time we try to create a tower in our name, like Scripture says he's a jealous God, and I'm, I'm starting to really believe that and understand what it means. He says, nope, it's going to be about me. The Lord foils the plans of the nation. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord, redeeming the earth, calling us back to Him, telling everyone that there's only one way through Jesus Christ, that's His plan. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who He chose for His inheritance. That's a warning and a promise. And then this last part. From the heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all of us, sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He forms the hearts of all. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. So we're getting into the home stretch. This last part. Relinquish to God's guidance. Surrendering to him alone brings life. Relinquish to his plan. Like, what if in our homes, it starts in the home, right? What if in our homes we decided, God, I, I'm, I'm committed to your plan and your plan alone? Like, what if in our marriages we said, God, it's your plan and your plan comes first? Like, what if in our city we all gathered to say, God, it's your plan and we trust you? July 18th, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be gathering as the Church of Kodiak and praying, walking and driving all over our city. We're going to meet down at the gazebo that morning. I'll have more details for you. And I just want to challenge everybody to join us if you can, and let's pray. Let's pray for our city. And say, God, it's your plan first. When we fix our heart first, when we start here, it changes our home. When we change our home, it changes our neighborhood 
When we change our neighborhood, it changes the community. When we change the community, it changes our city and our state. When we change our city and our state, it changes the country. Like no president is ever going to solve the problems of the nation. Like, and I'm all about authority. I'll get underneath any president that comes our way because Scripture says God put them there, first of all. Whoever it is, what's going to change our nation is right here. When we decide, God, it's you alone, and it's you first. Relinquish to God's guidance. Surrender to Him alone brings life. So this is speaking back in the nations of that day, the, the, the Romans. He said, the, the nations feared many gods, or the Greeks, each of whom ruled over the, the various heavenly bodies and over the sky and land. This is a quote. And see, since the Lord made everything and rules sovereign over the whole universe, the nation should recognize that he alone is the creator and ruler. And that's Van German again. No king, and I'm back in Psalm 33, 16. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his own strength. A horse is in vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. And those who hope, whose hope is in the unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait. He's talking about God's people. He's talking about you and me. We wait in the hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we must trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, as we put our hope in you. And I'll ask Meredith and Anderson to come up. And as we get ready for communion, we'll have a time of communion as a church. This last part in our sermon notes is just wait on Him. Like, just to wait on God. So right now, if you're in a place where you're, where you're seeking for answers, like in your own life, whether it's in your personal life, if you're seeking for answers at work, if you're seeking for answers in, in our community, and even... Even like me, you can tell I'm wrestling with this and I don't have answers yet. It's like, God, what's our role? What's, what's my role as a Christian in our country? Like, I believe it's to speak both truth and right for all sides and to remind people that, that God is allowing us to tear each other apart when we don't put Him first. So let's wait on Him. So before we take the elements of communion... Emo and, and Damon, if you guys will come down and help prepare that. I just want you, want each of us to examine our hearts. And forgive me for, for speaking about such controversial things this morning, but, but let's put all that aside. Let's put all that aside. And say, God, like if, if, if our nation is going to be healed, if, if we as people... Imperfect people are going to be healed and ever see justice like it's going to be you. Like you get all the credit. And what's cool is I believe the day that Christ said, I'm going to the cross, it is finished. I believe He set the future to say, no, it's finished. It's just a matter of time before He returns. And I want you to tell everybody about me 
Like, I want you to tell everybody about what I did. And there's no yes, but, right? He died for all of us. He died for past, present, and future sins. So take a look at your heart. And as we get ready to pass the elements of communion, just analyze where you are. Just seek for where you are. I just, just say, God, forgive me. Like I've wandered, because that's what we do. I say, I trust you with my life. I believe, that you're done, I believe that your son died for me. And we'll take the elements together. Go ahead, come on. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made. You sent your one and only son to die on the cross for us. I thank you, Father, because of him we can have eternal life. Because of him, as we've talked about today, Father, we can bring heaven to earth. And you've told us how that is. It's by declaring your son's name, by declaring what Jesus did, by loving everyone unconditionally, to love God, to love others. God, let us forgive those who've wronged us. Let us forgive what we see when we turn on the news. God, but first, please forgive us for being imperfect. Please forgive us for when we get it wrong. And thank you for your grace. Thank you for what, the, what Jesus did on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.